Welcome to Tall Poppies Presents, I Know How This Book Ends. This is where we talk about the story behind the story and the truth behind the fiction. I'm Amy Impelizari, and today I am here with Nancy Johnson. I am so thrilled to welcome you, Nancy. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, Amy, it's wonderful to be with you. Thanks for having me. So uh, Nancy is, of course, the debut novelist, the author of the widely acclaimed newly released The Kindest Lie. And it just came out um, in February of this year, but I have been waiting for this book to come out since I figured out September 2016, which is when I first met Nancy at a writer's retreat in Albuquerque. We were there for the Women's Fiction Writers Association Conference. And I had the tremendous pleasure of meeting Nancy. And then also I've told Nancy that I remember this so vividly during the weekend retreat, there was a breakout room where unpublished writers were reading excerpts of their works in progress and published writers were, you know, decking our heads in to give moral support and feedback critique where warranted. And Nancy read what I know now is a, was a small excerpt from the book that became The Kindest Lie, and it brought me to tears, and I for sure knew that I had no meaningful critique (laughs) to offer. So, Nancy, but I also knew in that moment that we were going to be seeing that book out out in the world one day, and I'm so excited that this is the day that it's out, and and I'm so thrilled that, uh, I'm so thrilled for the, the acclaim that this book has received. So, did you think in 2016 that 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 thing you were working on was going to be a book? Uh, well, first of all, let me just say that I'm so honored and humbled that you remember an excerpt Aww. that I read of my book from so many years ago. Uh, I had no idea that The Kindest Lie would receive this level of attention and mm. acclaim. However, I always knew that I would publish this book. You know, I just I had that, that belief and... I stuck with it. And I think that belief carried me through to publication. I'm sure that's true because, uh, you know, as so many of us experience, we, you know, I often say you never have as much time to write a book as you do for your first book, right? So most of us write those first books for, for long periods of time as we're learning the craft and learning the industry. And I'm sure this book was no exception. I met you in 2016. That book was underway. But really, when had that book, you know, first start its journey? It started its journey in 2012. Uh, That's Mm. when I first started, you know, the first initial chapters of The Kindest Lie. Uh, And it, of course, changed. It morphed quite a bit uh, over time. But uh, I was definitely inspired by the events of 2008 with the election of Barack Obama as president. And I wanted to explore that racial divide that I saw at that time, at the at the ascendancy of the first uh, black president, uh, but it wasn't until like four years later that I got the idea to put pen to paper and tell it as a novel. And you had been you were previously a journalist, is that right? Correct. So how I was a television did, news reporter. Yeah. So how did your journey take you from television and news to writing? I've always been interested in storytelling. Uh, and, you know, since I think I was in first grade, I have one of those uh, memory books where you um, you can document 
what your favorite activities were. And for yeah. me in kindergarten, my favorite activity was reading. And then by the time I got to first grade, it was reading and writing. And oh, so throughout, yeah, throughout my school journey, I knew I wanted to be a journalist. And I did yeah. that for more than a decade at various uh, television stations around the country, different network affiliates. Uh, but I was always telling the stories then uh, that made news. And yeah. I decided I wanted to tell the stories of my own imagination. And so that's how I got the um, idea to uh, write fiction. See, and I think that's so interesting because I, like you, transitioned from a different career to writing. So I was a lawyer and and, you know, certainly I was a professional writer as a lawyer and you were a professional storyteller as well, too. Right. But there it's not always an easy transition from a field like that to uh, to fiction writing. So did you find that? Did you find it a challenge to transition from um, storytelling in the journalism space to fiction? Actually, I did not. I mean, I, I think there yeah. are so many parallels uh, between the two. You know, as a journalist, you know, I might be telling a story about uh, tax policy or education. However, I would tell that big macro issue through the lens of one person or one family. And I'm doing the very same thing with The Kindest Lie. I'm addressing these huge issues and themes of motherhood, sacrifice, expectations, race, class. But I'm doing it through the eyes of Ruth Tuttle, this black woman yeah. engineer, and Midnight, this poor young white boy. So it's very yeah. similar in that sense. And then just the way I approach language, uh, when you think about broadcast journalism, the writing is very concise and crisp. And when I'm writing a novel, I like to read what I've written in my manuscript. I read it aloud and I mm -hmm. see how it sounds to my ear. And I that's how that. I know I have the right rhythm and cadence. Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like you were, you took a, a very unique approach to journalism and your, to your storytelling that makes it very, makes, it makes a lot of sense that you would find your way to, to storytelling in this arena. And, and we're so grateful that you did, of course. <laughs> did you, uh, you know, I think it's so, you're talk you talk about the time line that you chose for this novel and you chose to set it in 2008 um, for a very deliberate reason, right? To, to sort of a, at the, the start of the Obama presidency. And, you know, as a writer, you make different choices as you're working on your drafts and writing your book and timeline is obviously one of them and setting is one of them. But another really interesting choice you made here, and you've sort of referenced it, is to tell the story from two very particular points of view, Ruth and Midnight. Can you talk to us about how you came to make that choice? And was that the original choice for the book? Yeah, the book has changed a lot <laughs> over mm. the years. When I first started writing it, uh, the character of Midnight was a black boy. Uh, oh, and isn't so, that so yeah, interesting? As he had a huge transformation and <laughs> became a uh, white boy uh, through the course of writing the novel. But I always knew I wanted to talk about or explore this racial divide between black and yeah. white America in 2008 at a time of great financial, economic strain and anxiety because we were going through the Great Recession at that particular time. And so I've tried to think of who are the characters who could inhabit this world and really um, bring this story to life. And um, so then that's when I thought, okay, I've got a Black woman engineer in Ruth, mm -hmm. but I need someone you know, from the white community to also tell the story. And so that's how I 
decided that midnight was would be white, and that way I could not only tell his story but also introduce readers to his family and their struggles and you know what their life is like. And Ruth and Midnight are so different on the surface, you know, mm. differences in terms of yeah. race and age and current socioeconomic, um, you know, level. Yes. But at the same time, they have a lot in common because both of them have this need for family connection and belonging. They both want to be accepted and liked yeah. and loved. And so they feed each other in many ways and they uh, both have something that the other one needs. And I love that about the two of them together. Yes, that is such a good point. Yeah, I love that. Do you, I was thinking about the timeline of this book and, uh, and the deliberate choice that you made. And it's so interesting to me. And I was thinking about um, a book that I read last year called Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed that had a very specific timeline. Um, It started, the book, was released last year, but took place in 2015. And I remember going to hear Kylie speak and she talked about how she wanted to set the book in 2015 because she wanted to avoid the 2016 election. She didn't want that to change the discussion of race and other issues in the book. Do you think that this would have been a different book if it had been set, if you had chosen to set it today? Actually, I believe there would have been a lot of similarities and parallels, uh, and the book would not have been drastically different if it had been set in 2021, because in 2008, um, we had the election of a leader uh, who yeah. was supposedly bringing, you know, hope uh, to so many, um, you know, during a really difficult time uh, in our lives as we were going through a recession and we wanted to climb our way out of it. And that was Barack Obama. And then you look at where we are now, and so many are looking to turn the page, uh, and also, you know, in you know, increase um, some of our financial um, successes, uh, you know, after the pandemic. And so, you know, we've got Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and also it's making history. You know, we made history yeah. with the first black president in right. 2008, and now we're we've made history with the first um, black and South Asian. Uh, vice yeah. president in 2021. So there are similarities there. You know, they're both periods of economic strain. Yeah. Um, you know, we have racial violence uh, that we've been played with, um, you know, back then. And in that period during the Obama years with Trayvon Martin and the Charleston, South Carolina church shooting today, you know, yeah. just look at last year, you know, you've got the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. And so there are so many um, parallels there. Um, so I think the stories, the storyline would be very similar. And we're still dealing with a nation that is very divided and broken in many ways. Isn't that interesting? And so it's almost like the opposite would have been true for your book. It, like if you had set the, the book in 2015, the way Kylie Reed's book was, that would have actually made the book possibly different um, and, and sort of changed as opposed to... Uh, had it been set now. And, and the truth is there were often times that I, I certainly knew the timeline was firmly introduced in this book. And I certainly knew that. And it was in my consciousness from the, from page one, but there were sort of moments where I could kind of forget that this book was taking place in 2008. It felt very contemporary for yeah. lack of a better word, but certainly exactly. felt like it could be happening right now. Yeah. Right. It feels very of the moment in many ways. Yes. And, and it's yes. actually a, um, I mean, it's unfortunate in many ways, but it's yes. also in terms of, you know, telling a story at this time, it's a, a beautiful coincidence uh, to have so many parallels 
It's uncanny. Yeah. It's an important book right now. It's a really important book. Do you, this book has received so many accolades. I mean, the list is so long. Um, it has been featured in uh, O Magazine and Real Simple. And is there a particular accolade or a particular re- review or a particular phone call you got from your publicist that you that stands out in your mind that you kind of remember exactly where you were when she called to tell you this particular thing happened? There have been so many moments, but yeah, um, I love that I think, for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give us so a much. give us a fly on the wall moment for just one. It doesn't have to be your favorite one. Yeah, well, I, I think the the biggest moment um, for me was when I found out that I was on the Entertainment Weekly must list. Oh, I love <laughs> like it. I never expected to be love it. Uh, featured in Entertainment Weekly, and then to have my publicist send me the spreadsheet, you know, the magazine. Yeah, yeah. And I was able to open it and look at that and see that there I am opposite the Foo Fighters. It was just, it. <laughs> it was just an incredible You moment. have arrived. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And Dr. Henry Louis Gates was on there too oh, on the page. Uh, and, uh, and I just was blown away uh, seeing that because that's a world that I never imagined, right. you know, seeing my name or my book, uh, you know, being a part of that conversation of the entertainment world and Hollywood and the music industry and yeah, so that was just so much fun. Oh, it is so much fun. I'm I I love 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 seeing all the success of this book, and it feels like um, I follow follow you on social media, and everyone should follow your page on social media. And then every day there's like new news about the kind of slide <laughs> to get excited about, and I think it's wonderful. So because this is called, I know how this book ends. We always talk about how the book ends, but in a in a spoiler free way, um, we won't give away the ending. But I do want to talk about in a general way about how the book ends. And there's a very particular moment, uh, we'll call it the moment by the river, that's really very important to the, um, I say, resolution of the story in the in the most literary way, right? Not not mm-hmm. in the true, not in a true resolution way. But for me, it had this feeling of sort of almost like a moment that you may have come up with and worked backwards from, but I don't want to project that. So was that always sort of a, a moment that the, the book was going to end with? No, it wasn't. I mean, I worked uh, a lot on um, that part of the book uh, yeah. and, and tried a lot of different things to see what felt most authentic to me. And the, yeah. what you describe as the moment at the river I consider yeah. that the climax scene yeah, of the book. Yeah. Um, I, I think the resolution comes after that, you know, yes. the ending to me. Yes. But um, but yeah, that climax scene, I, I did um, several iterations of that. Various things happened there <laughs> to the characters. Yeah. Um, and so, but that was really a moment of truth where many of the secrets are revealed. And, you know, you really see that you can't um, escape your past and that the yeah. truth eventually does come out. You know, and a lot of people are forced to, you know, face some really uncomfortable truths um, as well. It also is important to me to show that the children are always watching what we do as adults. And um, that's a part of that moment and how that plays out. And it just shows also the price of some of the secrets that we've kept, you know, when things eventually unfold in that uh, climax moment of the book. But then, like I said, the resolution comes you know, a few chapters after that, yeah. you know, the ending, the actual ending of the book. And I did wrestle with that quite a bit because I didn't want to tie everything up with a bow and have a super neat ending, but I wanted That's it to still be That's always a big hopeful. question, right? That's always right. a big question, Mark. How, how, 
how much, how many loose ends do we really tie up and still leave, still leave the reader satisfied, um, but also feeling that we've been honest, right? So yeah, yeah, I wanted it to be an authentic ending. And I also wanted the ending to feel inevitable. And um, I wanted and I did have leave some ambiguity there. There was some hope, but also some ambiguity about what happens next for some of the characters, because that felt the most real to me. Yes, yes. Well, I certainly as a reader, I felt that for sure. And so at, at that point, when you sort of figure out the actual climax and the actual resolution. Um, is that very late into, into the process for you? That is, yeah, that was pretty late. I mean, I yeah. was, I had revised the book several times, rewritten, you know, and kept changing how the book would end and what that climax scene was going to be. Um, you know, some people, things just didn't feel as real and, yeah. and I just had to keep reworking it until it felt right. And like, this is what possibly could happen with these characters. Were those moments that were already, um, I know I've heard you talk about the, the process of, of revising the book before it was submitted. And, and honestly, it, uh, the book went through a lot of iterations, it sounds like, on your way to getting an agent. But by the time the ag- your agent, by the time it got to your agent, um, it was ready to sell um, yes. and did sell pretty quickly, right? Right, right. It did. Yeah. I mean, it took me a long time to you know, land a literary agent, maybe like two years I would say, but then by the time I got an agent, I had a book deal in about two and a half weeks. Yeah. Which is astounding and, and (laughs) a great, uh, you know, like a great, uh, testament to how much work you had put into the book at that point. So were those moments, the climax and the resolution, were they already set in place by the time you sold the book or were those things that, that happened in the editorial process after you sold the book? Hmm, Interesting question. Well, the climax scene, the river scene, uh, yeah, was yeah. there. Yep. That was there uh, okay. when I sold the book. So that was already, you know, baked in. Uh, we yes. did some work on it to make it uh, more suspenseful, to make it, mm-hmm. you know, more um, impactful. I worked yeah. with my editor. I have a great editor, Liz Stein at William Morrow. Yeah. And she really yeah. worked with me on that scene to improve it. Uh, yeah. But the, but what was not um, complete was the ending. So I think the ending did change a bit. Um, once I was working with the uh, my editor, I made some I changes that. to, to, yeah, to how yeah. everything would end with the various characters. Isn't that interesting? Have there been any surprises for you in releasing your debut novel? Uh, I don't know. Like sending been it out into the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was worried about you know how the book would be received, <laughs> you know, Aww. because it's something that you work on of so course. privately for so long and so many of years. Course. And then you, it's like you're putting your baby out there in the world yeah. and somebody might say your baby's ugly. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and how dare they? And how dare they say that? And so, uh, you know, my editor keeps telling me to stay off of Goodreads. Yes, <laughs> so, that's, but, um, that's good advice. It is good advice, but I don't always take that advice. No. And I'm always like looking and looking at the Amazon rankings and waking up in the middle of the night to look. And, right. Yeah. So I'm obsessed with all of that. But, yes. uh, but you're overall, doing all the reception, I am doing all the things you're not no, supposed you're to do. You're doing all the, all the stuff that we all do. It's, it's, that's it's, all it's part expected. of it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. overall, the reception uh, to the book has been very favorable. And I've, yes, I've been well surprised. I've been surprised just to hear from readers and to know how they're connecting so viscerally with the book. Yeah. And, um, you know, people write to me and, you know, this is something that's new now that 
the book is, you know, getting out to even more people. I'm having strangers, you know, readers write to me privately and tell me about um, just moments of pain and struggle in their lives and yeah. people they've lost in their lives and and how this book and some of the things I've said in the book have given them new understanding and um, closure on some things. And yeah. that has been incredible just to think that something I wrote could yeah. really help someone and heal something in someone. Yeah, that is amazing. And and not surprising at all from this book, yeah. because it is so beautiful. And it is so poignant. And, but I, I do, I always say there's really no point in, in putting your book out in the world, uh, unless you're gonna make those kind of connections, right? Because otherwise, it's just, you know, give it out as Christmas gifts, for, right, <laughs> right? You know, to your family, family, family <laughs> dinner table, because really, I mean, it's such, it's such a heart wrenching process to, to put it out in the world. What, what, what point would there be if you didn't have that reward on the other end of, of connection? So I'm so happy that you're feeling that and seeing that. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. That's a beautiful blessing in doing yeah. this work. Can you, uh, before we let you go, can you give us any little sneak peek on um, any new project that you're working on? I can't say a lot, but I okay. can tell you that I'm uh, about three chapters into a new uh, novel. And I'm still exploring issues of race, class, and family. So those mm. themes that readers have come to know and love in The Kindest yes. Lie, they will definitely find those uh, in my new novel. But you'll have to stay tuned uh, for more details. Oh, we will. Nancy, thank you so much. I'm so thrilled about the well-deserved buzz that this book is receiving. I can't wait to hear more from you and read more from you. And I'm just so happy for you. Thanks for being here with us today. Of course. Thank you so much, Amy, for having me. Thank you. Thank you.